You're tuned to the Risky Business Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hutting. And I'm your co-host, Michelle Raymond. You can celebrate another day of living. It's a good news business talk show talking about the exponential world, hosting fabulous guests from all sorts of industries and business, talking about trends, shifts, changes, and how you can not only survive but thrive in this exponential world and just celebrate another day of living and of love. Tune in for some inspiration, some exponential leadership, and some interesting thought-provoking conversations. Celebrate another day of love. That's what we do in the world at large. So does Risky Business, the good news business talk show. Heart of business, soul of rock and roll. I'm your host, Brian Hutting, along with my favorite co-host, Michelle. Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Yeah. It's nice to have two hours. We can really get it. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. And we've got such a great introduction this evening in the form of Henny Haymans, who is the CEO of DHL Express Sub-Saharan Africa. Wonderful. Henny, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to have you here, indeed. And, and what, a, what a fabulous company. I remember meeting you quite some years ago and you sharing with me the amazing story of DHL Express, which had been the, the sort of poor stepchild for quite a while in the DHL stable and then metamorphosized completely. Don't you want to share that story? It's such an uplifting story. Yeah, thank you, Brian. It, it, it is truly a remarkable story. You know, if I, if I take you and the listeners back to probably the late 2000s, probably about 2007, 2008, Express, the way we know it today, was in, in dire straits. Uh, in financial terms, we really costed the group millions and millions of dollars on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, I fondly remember one of my visits to Bonn, and you'll engage with somebody in what we fondly refer to the Bonn Tower, which is our global head office, and you'll have a lovely conversation. And midway they'll say, and so which division are you from? And the moment you say, I'm from Express, you know, suddenly they have a pressing need to go elsewhere, you know, <laughs> mid-sentence. So, so it was really quite difficult back in the days to actually engage meaningfully with people unless you kind of hit the fact that you, that you were from Express. We had a fantastic guy who took over the business, a guy by the name of Ken Allen, who's incidentally retiring, I actually think, the end of this month, I think maybe the end of today. Uh, and he took over the reins, and it was a complete change around, a complete metamorphosis of the organization to where we are now today. We are the blue-eyed boy yes, uh, in the yeah. group from a margin point of view, a profitability point of view, a people engagement point of view, a voice of customer point of view. So it has been a truly remarkable story. What I remember you sharing with me was the fact that what you did was to focus on the people. Correct. And, you know, it's counterintuitive. when You are where we are at that point in time. I think generally the first reaction is you've got to cut costs. You, you know, yeah. you've got to relook your investments. You've got to kind of go real lean and mean. And we went completely the opposite. We started investing mega millions into our people. And that truly has just proved to be the magic source. You know, buildings can be replicated, vehicles and assets and aircraft can be replicated. But this this culture that revolves around your people and truly caring for your people and, and being invested in your people, that is the magic source. And that's what makes us stand out from the rest of the competitors. I actually just need to take a pause right there and let that sink in because that's hugely important, you know. And yes, it's counterintuitive, but it shouldn't be. That should be the norm. Yet it is, you know, I think, you know, we all, you know, Sydney, myself, we come from the era where it was popular belief that you save your way to greatness, yeah. you know, and, and by yeah. being lean and mean enough, you know, eventually it'll turn and eventually you'll get the customers back. But without no, the without the people, yeah. it's nothing, you know, 
I often go and visit customers, and so often they would say to me, never take James off my route, James being the courier, because James is the reason why I'm engaged with your company. And I'd go, well, why? Because James is always friendly. He's always neat. He's knowledgeable. He understands what I want, when I want it. And it just goes back to that whole people concept. You, you know, they are just the most important people in our organization, without a shadow of doubt. Uh, an amazing Scotsman called Samuel Smiles. He lived in during the 19th century, and he was an author and a politician. And he said something really interesting uh, about the world of politics. And he said, progress will be more greatly achieved with new ideas rather than new laws. And what he also said was, he said, hope is the companion of power and the mother of success. They who hope strongly will have within them the gift of miracles. There we go. Just such a lovely story, you know. And and with what you did, transformed an organization from hopelessness into hopefulness. Well, absolutely. You know, people became the miracle. You know, they became center stage of our story back to success. You know, I remember going to a a global conference with Ken, and it happened to be in Atlanta in, in the U.S., and, of course, you know, you look at best-in-class um, statistics and KPIs. Mm-hmm. And I remember we had a specific uh, KPI, and, and Ken said, you know, that's, that's where I want us to go. And we all looked at that going, wow, I wonder what he smoked just before he got onto stage, <laughs> you know. Uh, and now if I look back on it, we, we achieved it. Not only did we achieve it, we've, we've exceeded it. And, again, you know, not, not because we do anything different or our business model is different. It is truly because – of our people, and I think what I what I need to say in conjunction with that is our people understanding our purpose, mm-hmm. and and once you understand the purpose, and once you understand your role in achieving mm-hmm. and executing that purpose, that combination is so powerful that it's almost impossible That's to possible. stop. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, when your most junior and seemingly. Um, mundane and not the person but the job of people understand their position in the value chain and that they are a part of it you know if you look at the human body you know um, absolutely the brain and the heart rule over the little toes okay little toes don't shape up against the brain unless and the heart unless you kick a door unless you kick a door that's a good <laughs> sounds good like point. you speak from experience uh, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> and and once you've done that for the next three weeks you'll bang that very same toe there's like somehow this magnet yeah. that you know you've you've broken this sort of protection sheet and i can't help myself suddenly looking at your little toe <laughs> but i tell you what take away the little toe and you're going to miss it eh? oh yeah but I tell you what the other thing yeah. is, is also to celebrate those victories yes. with the people. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, you get caught up in this treadmill called life, you know, and you run from one KPI to the next KPI and from the one target to the next target. And, and so often we don't take enough time just to pause and just say, let's just celebrate it. Yeah. doesn't matter yeah, how big exactly, or how small yeah, exactly. a milestone it is. Exactly. But, you know, for that employee receiving that recognition and being able to celebrate with you, regardless of your title, yeah. you know, it's so meaningful. It's so uplifting for them. It's, it's incredible. Builds <laughs> onto the next milestone. I think once people have closure from that, they've celebrated it, they've recognized that it's a recognizable achievement in whatever way they needed to. You want to go to the next one and you want to do better than before. Needs the success. 100%. And we find be for me to talk about psychological issues. But, you know, psychologically, it kind of just keeps refueling 
them and, and that passion. And, and you know, there's, there's no replacement for passion. There's, there's zero. You know, I don't care what industry you're in. If, if you don't have that fire burning in your belly, that passion that says, I want to get up today and I want to have a best day today, you know, I want to just be the best at what I can be. You know, what else do you need to do? You know, the rest takes care of itself. At the risk of seeming to oversimplify things, there's sort of two groups of people, okay? There are people who would desperately want to be more than what they are but don't feel it desperately enough and are bound by fear and are constrained by the, oh, but what if I mess up? And, and therefore don't do it. And procrastination becomes the ruling domain. And uh, procrastination is a, is a, a very complex and, yeah. and unwanted thing. And one of the ways to, to overcome procrastination is firstly chop it all up into really small bite-sized proportions and just start. You know, just start. Starting to start is often the, the things the people struggle thing. for most. But that, that exact thing of, of people wanting to be safe – They'd rather walk what I call the, the boulevard of me mediocrity than climb the mountain of greatness because they're scared of heights, you know, and not prepared to overcome that. I, in fact, I, I, I've got a great story about fear of heights. I had a terrible fear of heights as a kid. I couldn't climb trees. I'd get up to the second branch and my definitely overactive instinct of self-preservation would kick in and I would like, no, I can't do this. And I'd watch my buddies climb up all these trees and I'd be so envious. So eventually I took up skydiving. And that sorted me out. And now I love heights. So it's just being able to change that perspective. Jumping out of an airplane was, yeah, an interesting moment of time for me. I still haven't worked that one out. You know, when it's in perfectly good nick, I'm not sure why you would jump out. But, hey, that's just me. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, you tuned to Risky Business. That's a good point of conversation. I'm your host, Brian Hutting. With me in the studio, my co-host, Michelle Raymond, and our special guest, Henny Haymans, CEO of DHL Express, Sub-Saharan Africa. And right now, here we've got a hero for sure. Old Rodriguez, Sugar Man. Sugar Man, won't you hurry? Cause I'm tired of these scenes. For a blue coin, won't you bring back all those colors to my dreams? Silver magic ships you carry Jumpers, Coke, Sweet Mary Jane Sugar Man met a false friend On a lonely, dusty road Lost my heart when I found it It had turned to dead black hole Silver magic ships you carry Jumpers, Coke, Sweet Mary Jane Sugar Man, you're the answer That makes my questions disappear Sugar Man Cause I'm weary of those double games I hear Sugar man, sugar man, sugar man, sugar man, sugar 
sound of Rodriguez an amazingly sad and then wonderfully elevating story of a life and a man and an artist who was truly profound you tuned to risky business good news business talk show up next in the double play we have an obscure band called U2 why are they obscure very, no, very obscure I'm sure nobody's heard of them <laughs> one of those underground yeah, ones under, yeah very remote bands anyway Bono The Edge and Co it's a beautiful day and if it hasn't been up until now, you can choose to change that. It's how you look at the world. Put on a different set of lenses. Rose-colored ones if you need to. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room No space to rent in this town out of luck And the reason that you had to care The traffic is stuck And you're not moving anywhere You thought you found a friend To take you out of this place Someone you could lend a hand In return for grace It's a beautiful day Love in style 
Every day should be a beautiful day, and notwithstanding some of the challenges and obstacles and occasionally tragedies that we encounter, life is a miracle, and we need to treat it as such. And just go into each day knowing that you've got 86,400 seconds in your bank account that day to spend. How are you going to spend it? If it was your last day, what would you do? What would you do differently? And uh, go away and reflect on that in the next music break. But we're now going to chat once again to our fine guest in the form of Henny Hammonds, who is the CEO of DHL Express Sub-Saharan Africa. My co-host with me, Michelle Raymond. I'm your host, Brian Hutting, and uh, we're with you. So don't go away. Lots of great music, lots of great talk. So, Henny, talking about airplanes, and we'll come back. I want to chat a little bit about Rodriguez. But uh, talking about airplanes, you, you know, South Africa is challenged at the moment with uh, the Comair and British Airways going and Kalula going down and SAA still trying to find its feet. And we've got limited airlines now. But your company is pretty smart in that it, it has its own substantial fleet of airplanes. Yeah, Brian, in a funny kind of a way, COVID gave credibility to that strategy we embarked upon in the early 2000s. And funnily enough, if you look at who survived mm. uh, the COVID period uh, in the logistics industry, and particularly the express industry, you'll see it's those organizations that had their own air fleet. Wow. Uh, and that, of course, includes ourselves. We are, for example, the only operator in Africa who operates our own fleet of aircraft uh, in Africa. And we've got 14 dedicated uh, aircraft in Africa. And, of course, that got elevated quite substantially during COVID because what happened at a global level and, of course, the same year in Africa is we lost uh, a lot of what is uh, referred to as belly capacity yes. with the passenger aircraft that got grounded. So much so that at one point in time during the height of COVID, the only thing that kept this continent connected to the rest of the world was a DHL aircraft wow. that came wow. in and, and left again. So we're incredibly proud of that, not for commercial reasons, but, you know, COVID allowed us to really execute on our purpose, which is all about making the world a better place by connecting people and improving lives. And, you know, you couldn't have scripted the scenario better wow. than what played wow. out with COVID. So it was an incredible privilege to play that role, uh, not just here in South Africa, but across this continent. As you were talking, I was uh, I do a lot of thinking in metaphors and, 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 and uh, visualization. And I was just thinking about people in remote parts of Africa, how – by that plane landing and delivering their goods 
whether they be individuals or small grassroots businesses or bigger businesses, was just such a a breath of fresh air and such a, a reminder that there was a world out there. Well, it also reminds us that, that the world has become a global village. Yeah. You know, we are now more connected than ever before. And in order to keep that going, you need international trade. You need access to international trade. And, of course, you get that through the likes of ourselves. So, again, an incredible privilege. But if you just think about, for example, you know, again, back to COVID, you know, and how the vaccines got into country. Mm. You know, those vaccines came in as a result of the, the logistics wow. or the supply chain. And for ourselves, incredibly proud of the fact that we flew the first set of approved vaccines into this continent. And, you know, of course, then followed up by by many other kind of flights particular to that. Been the core strength for us uh, as a result of COVID. You know, if I think, you know, and there's lots of examples, you know, there there was a time that if you look at some of the, the smaller islands in the Indian Ocean Islands, Mauritius and Madagascar, there was a period of about six weeks um, that we were the only access to that market, both in and out. Now, if you think about it, just in terms of COVID and just in terms of, you know, making the world a better place, at one stage, the only thing that helped sustain life was the logistic aircraft flying in mm-hmm. oxygen machines mm-hmm. and ventilators. You know, so if you, if you just think about that, you know, so it's so Often that people would say, I want to DHL it, you know, and, and they'll go to the PA and the secretary, I just want to DHL it. But there isn't a complete or a good enough understanding of A, what it entails, mm-hmm. but B, the actual impact and change it potentially makes in people's lives. And again, you know, the, the, the incredible privilege to, to sit here today and talk about some of these things because we, we do absolutely get the opportunity to make a difference. And, and whether it's an individual's life, as you talk about, you know, somebody in a remote village who's, who's looking for some life-saving medicine, you know, or the big business guy who's about to conclude a deal and he's waiting for his contract to be delivered yeah. to him, you know, and anything in between. You know, we also deliver the occasional divorce certificates, which, you know, I'm told also causes a bit of happiness in some instances. So, <laughs> so we cover the whole range. <laughs> Tell me, in, in country here, do you have a large road fleet? I mean, what do you still do quite a lot of, of transportation via air in, within South So Africa it's a bit of well. both, but the, the emphasis is on the road transport or mm. the final mile, as we call it. So essentially, the, the freight will arrive at one of the major airports. Um, it will then kind of get broken up into the different routes. I'm skipping a whole bunch of steps in between, but just I think for the sake of brevity, it'll get split down to route level, and those will then go out through the through the couriers. Hmm. Depending on where the freight, you know, often you get consolidated freight coming into the major hub, which is OR Tambo here hmm. in Johannesburg. We will then split it up into the smaller areas, um, Bloemfontein, Durban, and some of the other major towns. And of course, Cape Town, we're seeing some of the direct flights coming back into Cape Town. So that's giving us a second uh, major city, if you want. But oftentimes, some of that material will still land in Johannesburg and will fly down to, to Cape Town. I remember watching a program, just moving a little bit off DHL, but staying in the logistics space, of a city in America, and I think it's Memphis, that handles like 60 to 70% of the world freight sort of comes in or through that space. Is that the right city? Have I got it right? You, you may have it right. I mean, I yeah. don't know in what context those volumes are, yeah. but but you've got a couple of major hubs. Uh, for us around the world, Leipzig is probably our biggest one okay. in, in Europe. Uh, of course, Hong Kong is, is mm. an incredibly important sure. one for us yeah. um, in, in Asia. Our own here in Johannesburg, Nigeria is a very important hub for us uh, in Africa. And then we've got, uh, of course, Cincinnati in the Americas. It's, um, so there's a couple of those, those big hubs, yeah. um, a few more. UK is a pretty important hub for us. Uh, Dubai, Middle East, a pretty important one for us. And then, of course, Brussels. So, 
yeah, all, all in all, you, you get a few major hubs and you'll probably see. And, and I think now with how the world of aviation has changed, you'll see a lot more perhaps being diverted via the Middle East, specifically if you come out of Asia. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you know, with the new flights, uh, with, the, with the war in, in, in Russia and Ukraine, or in Ukraine rather, you know, it's a little bit of a diversion that takes place. So you're seeing a little bit more of the concentration taking place uh, currently. And also, last point just on that is the lack of, of capacity. Uh, yeah. You know, it kind of dictates quite a bit of what happens at the moment. I haven't been to Hong Kong for a long time. I was, in fact, last there in 96 before the 99 you know, exit by the Brits and hand over back to China. But at the time, they were busy working on that new airport, which obviously is not a new airport anymore. It's their airport. But the scale of it was just it's enormous, stunningly profound, Michelle. I mean, the numbers of people, if I remember correctly in it, we were 100,000 people employed in and around wow. it. In the, and I don't know whether that was conf, you know included or confined to the actual construction of it, yeah. but it was just... Phenomenal. Was there any disruption with the disruption in Hong Kong uh, recently? Did would that in any way affect? The, Are you referring the, to some of the lockdowns yeah. uh, that took place? Yeah, you know, you know, of course, and, so, and the rights that they had there and stuff like that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, it, you know, it's, it's quite a few things. They're quite strict over there, and they try and control things uh, yeah. pretty much to the last uh, iota, and it does have uh, an impact on you. We are pretty agile, though, in that we always have a you know backup plan and, and, and alternatives, but it's it's probably never as good as the original one. Yeah, uh, otherwise it won't be the original, I guess. But perhaps more so now with the, with the strict lockdowns in China. Um, you know, that has a severe impact on, on the world. Um, yeah. You know, it's just there, there were just instances where for weeks we couldn't uplift any material. And, of course, then what happens, you have an enormous backlog. Yeah. That backlog then combined with constrained air capacity, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's the perfect recipe for a bit of a storm in a teacup, I think. So, yeah, but, you know, you've got to, you've got to find the workarounds, Brian. You know, and agility becomes a, a very big part of that. I'd be interested to know what the type of cover is in place and what the what the contractual terms are for situations where you've got fresh produce, for example, that you're going to transport and then a lockdown or a confinement occurs. And clearly it's going to be difficult for that not to to go off. Who picks up the tab on that in the end? I'm sure because the the sellers would have sufficient cover and all is it just simply the insurance guys who pick it up look i think it's a it's a little bit of everybody yeah. uh, you know there's no single winner um in in a scenario no, like no, that no. um in many instances uh, these things are insured uh, and it goes back to to the contractual agreements that they have in place in many instances again particularly africa you know it's that's not kind of top of mind yeah. um you, you know for a lot of people it's 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 a subsistence uh, business rather than a major commercial business, and and you know they just don't have the means, yeah, uh, or the ca- capability to do that. So, but yeah, it, it comes back to whatever that contractual arrangement mm. is. And in many instances, you know, it's a, it's an insurance matter. All about risk management and being sufficiently ahead of the curve and uh, sufficiently forward thinking to make sure that you protect your assets and moving assets. You tune a risky business. I'm your host, Brian Hutting, with me in the studio, Michelle Raymond, and our guest this evening, Henny Hammonds, who is the CEO of DHL Express Sub-Saharan Africa. And we're talking about business, world life, logistics, the amazing nature and success of DHL Express and the journey it's traveled, and a whole lot more. Coming up next, oh, just such an incredible musician, profound musician, in the form of Frank Zappa, sadly passed at the age of 53 from prostate cancer. 
which his doctor messed up in in the diagnosis of. Really? Yeah, Frank was pretty grumpy, as you can imagine. I, I'm sure. Yeah, because they, <laughs> wonder why. They, uh, the, he had been the, – the, the doctor could almost have been declared negligent in terms wow. of, of his treatment of him. And as a consequence, it was diagnosed way too late, and he, he passed away. An amazingly prolific talent, completely off the wall, a guitarist of uh, profound capability, uh, played 27 instruments – and, sure. uh, I can't even think and, of 27 was insistent that none of his musos, of which there were many, Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention was the name. And mm-hmm. he had all sorts of people who came through his world. Uh, Steve Vai was one of them, Captain Beefheart. Uh, he had Jimmy Cole Black and, and a whole lot of others. And none of them were allowed to take drugs. So he, was, he ran a clean show. Uh-huh. Yeah, a very clean show. And he was such a satirical man. Anyway, what we're playing is not such a satirical song. It's a little bit naughty, actually. song called Camarillo Brillo off the Overnight Sensation album. She had that Camarillo Brillo Flaming out along ahead I mean her Mendocino Bino by where some bugs that made it red She ruled the toads of these short forests And every newt in Idaho And every cricket who had chorus By the bush and buffalo She said she was a magic mama And she could throw a mean tarot and carried on without a comma That she was someone I should know She had a snake for a pet And an amulet And she was breeding a dwarf But she wasn't done yet She had gray-green skin A doll with a pin I told her she was all right But I couldn't come in I could come in right then And so she wandered through the doorway Just like a shadow from the tomb She said her stereo was four-way And I just love it in her room Well, I was born to have adventure So I just followed up the step Right past the fuming incense stencher To where she hung her castanets she stripped away her rancid poncho And laid out naked by the door We did it till we were on concho And it was useless anymore She had a snake for a pet And an amulet And she was breathing a water But she wasn't done yet She had gray green skin A doll with a pin I told her she was all right She wandered through the doorway Just like a shadow from the tomb She said a stereo was four-way And I just love it in a room Well, I was born to have adventure So I just followed up the steps Right past the fuming incense stencher To where she hung her castanet said she was a magic mama 
And she could throw a mean tarot And carried on without a comma That she was someone I should know a real poncho? I mean, is that a Mexican poncho or is that a Sears poncho? Hmm, no fooling. Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention off the 1973 album Overnight Sensation. It was really the first album that truly commercialized Frank in a big way. His stuff before that was was pretty esoteric and and uh, for an exclusive audience really. But Overnight Sensation was just that thing that that made him made him great actually. Here we have another great performer, merged from the band Fleetwood Mac, none other than Stevie Nicks. Edge of 17. Your risky business is the show. Don't go away.
one and only Stevie Nicks performing a great track, Edge of Seventeen. I recently saw a show of her and members of the band recently, no, 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 yeah. performing, and it was just great to see her still, still up there, still able to do Amazing. it. Yeah. We've sadly lost so many great musos in the last three to four years. Just of, you know, including Charlie Watts. And the Stones are still doing it. And the Stones are still going. Still doing it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's absolutely profound. In this, I mean, well into their 70s. And I remember watching a show with, with the Stones. It was a, a sort of special celebrity show put on specifically for Bill Clinton's mother. And the Stones were the main performers. And they had various artists come on. And Christina Aguilera came on with Mick and put out a few. And he just <laughs> exhausted her. <laughs> you know, here was this guy who could uh. strut like no one else could strut. And she got tired. She got tired. A lot of people don't know it was that Mick, Mick was a, an Eton boy. I think he was an Eton boy or, or went to one of the fine colleges. And he and his brother were superlative gymnasts. So, you know, you that often think of rock stars that, you know, come from, a, oh, they're the sort of grunge guys who don't ever but play But he's sport built and, for it. But he was a phenomenal athlete, actually, and, and okay. gymnast. And so you, it, it plays out in his set. And, I mean, Mick's an amazing guy. You know, I, 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 he's just about never done uh, an interview publicly. Mick Jagger never gets – when have you seen Mick Jagger being interviewed? He's a very private guy. He's not sort of in it for – for his, you know, it doesn't have glory. to be seen and be out there in the face of it. He's actually a very private guy in that way. Not so private in many ways. <laughs> <but, laughs> anyway. Know. Anyway, we are tuned, I, I, I tend to ramble. Forgive my ADHD. I shouldn't be allowed to have that uh, in as a business talk show. Oh, real, oh, real. What? ADHD? Yeah. How many people have ADHD that are? Holes. That was Stevie Nicks. This is Risky Business. I'm your host, Brian Hutting, rambling on, and my co-host, Michelle, doing some mini rambling. I, w- I, will, reel, our, I will reel our, it our in. Our guest patiently <laughs> sitting behind the mic waiting to be included, who is Henny Haymans, who's the CEO of DHL Express Sub-Saharan Africa. We're talking about all sorts of interesting things and topics. And going back to the issue of your people, the amazing focus that's been on them and the success that's come with it. I'd imagine that your attrition rate is very low. It's incredibly low. So across Africa, our attrition rate is just just touching 2%. Wow, um, that's incredible. Um, and you, you could possibly argue it's perhaps a little bit slow yeah, because it makes it yeah. difficult to get in new ideas and, and yeah. you know, a bit of an outside yeah. in look. But I think it speaks volumes to the culture, to the kind of organization that it is and and just that it's a great place to work for everybody. Yeah. You know, people, it's often said people join organizations, but they leave managers. Yes. I think a statistic of 2% kind of tells a, a pretty good story in that regard. How would you define the leadership style within, within DHL? Wow, how would I that's define it? That's a question. It? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> quite a loaded question. No, uh, so, so maybe let me go through how we try and spend our time, and I'll try and end my ramble with an answer to your question. So we very firmly believe that 70% of our job um, as senior leaders is either amongst our people or with our customers. Mm-hmm. So it's very much a people orientated, as I've said before. But the difference here is around that engagement, that sincere and authentic engagement. If I had to try and succinctly describe the leadership style, I would say it's to lead and with with a servant's heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think that's that's quite important. You know, we have a saying in DHL that says, you, you know, we should never take ourselves too serious. You know, so often we get caught up in our own importance because of mm-hmm. our titles. You know, you know, the title is not 
what what makes a difference. It's how you interact. It's how you lead. It's how you respond. It's how you engage with your people. Mm. And the sincerity that sits behind that, I think, is is the important part. So succinctly summarized, I would say it's to lead with a servant's heart. And I would imagine you've got all sorts of ways of expressing appreciation and recognition to your people. Yeah, Brian, I mean, there's, there's an incredible amount. In fact, we just came out um, last week of what is called Employee Appreciation Week, which is a, a global initiative. And that entire week is around appreciating every single one of our 107,000 superstars around wow. the globe with special treats, special programs, um, and, and just special things happening all around you know so in a couple of examples you know if you a, a customer services agent you know we'll get somebody to do a little a neck massage you know mm. we spoke about it earlier one of <laughs> yeah, one of your icebreakers sure. and we'll get somebody actually to come and stand there oh, for five or ten minutes nice. for every single yeah. agent you know and they'll work their way through through the through the call center and there's lots of little examples but but that's one of the ways. So we have, uh, so we've got lots of those initiatives. Not always as condensed and and as as focused as Employee Appreciation Week, but we like to do something every single day. You know, to make people feel special. You know, I think so often when you concentrate these efforts under the banner of very specific programs, it loses its authenticity and its realness, if yeah. you want. You know, I'd much rather prefer that every single day with one of my people come in, one of my yeah. supervisors, you know, that they just the way that they say good morning, they do it better than what they did yesterday. Yeah. You know, if you do the maths, if you say we're 107,000 people, and if we can all just make one incremental yep. improvement every day, you yep. go and multiply that for five working days and four and a half, yep. you know, the maths carry on and on and on. And that's the magic of, of it all. So, you, you know, again, it's, it's back to just how we interact and treat our people. You know, we, we often talk about we want DHL Express to be a great place to work for all, not for a few, not for some but for every single person in this organization. So the kind of facilities that I have access to, my sorter on the gateway floor must have access to exactly the same kind of a facility. You know, and once you get that right, if it, if it does on the inside of the building what it says on the outside of the building it will do, then, then I think you're kind of getting Absolutely. there. That is some music to my ears. You know what it does also is it stops complacency and it stops complaining because there's no space for that because you want to be better. And it, it feeds, and we were saying this earlier, it feeds on each other. And it, it just sounds like an amazing place just from a people connection perspective. It's incredible, Michelle. And there's, there's quite an interesting conversation on the go now. You know, COVID brought along this whole phenomenon of working from home. Hmm. And, you know, you throw into that uh, Generation Z and, you know, I'm often told, oh, Henny, if you, do, if you don't have a policy working from home, you know, you're not, not going to attract the best and the brightest. And it's interesting, I often interact with Generation Z and they would say, we'd actually like to come into the office because we've heard about this yeah. culture, but we don't feel it on Zoom and Teams hmm. and all the rest of it. So it does make for quite an interesting conversation right now where we find ourselves as global businesses. You know, how do we approach this whole thing around culture versus working from home and how do you find and strike that balance mm. around all of that we were actually having that conversation i'm sure the other day where and i'm having it with a lot of other companies and people going what are the thoughts going on within the teams and within the organization and there's i think there's so much social anxiety now coming back to work and people worried because they're so used to being in their little 
hub and their little predictable environment and now coming back. But but there's something to be said about that connection, about that interaction, about bumping into someone and asking them about their family because you don't do that on a Zoom or a team session. It's just work. Yeah. And to have that little bit of banter, that little bit of, hey, how are you? How are the kids? How's the family? And then obviously go beyond that. It's just it's just so important, I think, just as humans to have that. And then, of course, to add appreciation on top of that and to add a workplace where it, it's breeding success and it's breeding wanting to be better than the next day. I mean, why wouldn't you want to come to work? I cannot agree with you more. You know, one of the things, and, and of course, technology is important. And we talk about digitalization and the importance of it. But one of the things you could never do is have that spontaneity yeah. over a Zoom call or a Teams call. Whereas if I, if I take my, my own, you know, if I take a, a day in my office, you know, if people are there, I can stop off and say, hey, Michelle, how are you doing? How are the kids doing? You know, how are the you know, your pet's saying, oh, no, any my cat, you know, got a problem. Oh, yeah. and now I can engage with you. But on Zoom, I don't necessarily yeah. have a reason to call you. And if suddenly if I call you, you're going to be all nervous saying, oh, well, why is any now suddenly <laughs> calling me on Zoom? You know, what's gone wrong? So it kills that spontaneity yeah. and it really removes my ability to kind of see exactly what's going on in your life. And, you know, do you need my support? Is there something we need to talk about? Is there something we can do better Mm-hmm. So so finding that balance is really kind of the talk of yeah. town at the moment in, in most global organizations. And I think what's been missing is you, you, in order to create change and make in, and be an influence, you have to be there. You have to be in it, not out of it. And so yeah. I think a lot of people have lost that yeah. that influence and that control because they're out of it. So there's two things I want to say. One is if I wasn't completely unemployable, I'd ask you for a job. I'd like <laughs> to come and work there. <laughs> I'm completely unemployable. An absolute corporate refugee. But going more importantly to the subject of what we're talking about in the hybrid work, it's such a phenomenal opportunity. It is wonderful. It is amazing. If you step back and think of what can happen with this whole movie. is So firstly, let's, let's understand that we had an imposed transformation. We had yeah. no choice in it. We were shoved into our homes and doors were locked and you weren't allowed to go anywhere and your autonomy was taken away and a whole lot of other stuff. And guess what? People rose to the occasion. And in fact, in many instances, businesses thrived. Sadly, there were those that closed down because of the nature of, of COVID and, and all the rest of it and, and, and what happened. And, and those are tragedies. And it was brutal for many organizations. We certainly had our fair share of, of challenges and, and hoops we had to go through. But people got it and people found all of a sudden that that their lives could be richer. For some, they didn't. So mm. sadly, we've got lots of contrasts. Yeah. We had, we've got people who drew, drew closer together as families, and we've got the divorce rate that increased. We had people who got divorced because they had no idea what their partner was like because yeah. they hadn't <laughs> spent a hell of a lot of time with them yeah. in one space. And But moving all of that aside, here this is the now. This is the world we're in. The world has moved and shifted, and we've discovered that, one, there's benefits to having people working remotely, but we need to have the duality of the benefits of them coming together. And what needs to be seen by the individuals themselves is it's not an either-or. It's an and-both. Yeah. And it's an and-both in which you can, you can actually start planning your life so much more fluidly and efficiently around, okay, for the two days I'm at home, this is the stuff I'm going to work on and get to. And this is what I'm going to do when I'm in the office. And it's about bringing it together in a really… Uh, holistic way. Holistic way. Sadly, we've got to break for a song. Not sadly. Not sadly. I love, no, music's wonderful. <laughs> but in the middle of my story… You're in flow. <laughs> I need to make a break. It's in a risky business. Yeah. In the studio with us, we have Henny Hamans, who's the CEO of DHL Express Sub-Saharan Africa, with Michelle Raymond and myself, Brian Hutting, as your hosts. Up next, we have the one and only, the very quintessential… 
David Bowie, or David Bowie as some people pronounce it. Originally known as David Jones, and uh, just such an amazing musician. Song called Heroes. There's one in each one of us, you know. It's when ordinary people do extraordinary things. David Bowie, Heroes. you just got to love a lot and give a lot to be a hero. Moms and dads are heroes. So are grandparents. I know about that. <laughs> you tune to Risky Business. You're in a triple play. And up next, a lovely bit of obscurity. This is a band called Ramesses. And Ramesses brought this album out in the very early 70s. Interestingly enough, the band Ramesses and all its members were the precursor to the band 10CC. Did you know that? 
Yeah. And this album is called Space Hymns. And it's a, a remarkable track. And it's got a lovely, lovely slow intro. But a really, really almost eerie but beautiful song called Life Child. Tune a risky business. My spirit could be free mm-hmm. Life child We left you hanging on a hill Why won't we ever do
remarkable piece of music that by the band Ramesses off the album Space Hymns. And coming up next in the triple play is one of the greatest uh, r- punk bands. Didn't quite stack up as much as uh, Green Day, but The Clash were pretty good. Yep. It's a track called London Calling. Boys and girls, London calling. Now don't look to us. Phony Beatlemania is putting the dust. London calling. See, we ain't got no swing except for the rain and the truncheon thing. The ice age is coming, the sun's zooming in. Meltdown expected, the wheat is going in. Engines stop running, but I have no fear, cause London is drowning. The imitation zone Forget it brother You can go in alone London calling To the zombies of death Quit holding out And draw another breath London calling And I don't want to shout But while we were talking I saw you nodding out London calling See we ain't got no high Except for that one With the yellowy eyes The ice Coming. The sun's zooming in, engines stuck on it, the wheat is going to a nuclear error, but I have no fear, cause London is drowning and I, I live by the river. sound what a band london calling by the one and only clash fabulous fabulous probably the the greatest of uh, british punk groups that emerged in the late 70s early 80s you tuned to the risky business podcast i'm your host brian hutting and i'm your co-host michelle raymond 
and you can celebrate another day of living. It's a good news business talk show talking about the exponential world, hosting fabulous guests from all sorts of industries and business, talking about trends, shifts, changes, and how you can not only survive but thrive in this exponential world and just celebrate another day of living and of love. Tune in for some inspiration, some exponential leadership, and some interesting thought-provoking conversations. Have a day.